0: Uh, one thing I'm really excited always about the month of October is that it was in this month, 11 years ago, that the jar was born. So 11, uh, anniversary, and so we're excited about that. And, uh, I saw some folks this morning who were there from the very early days, and, uh, he was on a softball team, and, uh, he actually broke his leg, it was a horrible experience, just, Everything, But he walked in today and he said, uh, hey, uh, you know, how you doing? I said, good. And I said, how you doing? He's like, good. And uh, I said, anymore, you know, if you get to the end of the week and you don't have something, you know, hurting, it's a good week. And uh, he's like, dude, you're not that old. You know what I mean? Like um, that. But uh, so that was really neat. Um, But over these 11 years, we have initiated many different things to try to impact our community and help grow people in a greater relationship with God. And on Wednesday, we are starting a brand new ministry called Men's Life. And so if you're a man and you want to grow in your relationship with God, this is a great way for you to get plugged in. And I really hope that you will. It's on Wednesday and uh, it's at six o'clock. So please, men, come um, because many of us are battling things that we're not winning at. Because we're fighting the wrong battles, and so we want to help guys to know how to fight battles that matter the most. Um, so there's that. Now, if you're a woman and you're here today and you're like, oh, great, uh, what do you have for me? Well, you have a women's retreat coming up in a couple weeks, but Wednesday, guess what? You're not invited. No women allowed, okay? None. Men's only club. But... We want to have something for everyone that looks like this. It was in your program, if you can pull that out. And guys, this is your invitation. So you can't say you weren't invited. But if you're a male, I would encourage you to invite somebody else. A friend, coworker, neighbor, somebody, hey, let's go check this out. And it's free dinner at 6 o'clock. So you don't have to cook, you don't have to do anything. Just come at 6 and you can do that. Now, if you're a female and you're like, okay, what about me? Well, I bet you have some men in your life that you would like to have them grow in more godly ways. And so if you do, then what I want to encourage you to do is to actually invite them to come and to be a part of that as well. Okay? Now, the first celebration, this is what happened. I said, so are you ready for this, men? And it was like crickets. Okay, so I'm sure the second celebration, we have smarter men here than the first one. So, um, are you ready for Wednesday? Yeah. Yes, okay, good, good. We'll see if you show up, you know, that's how it kind of works. So, Okay, well, hey, let's uh, before we dive into the teaching uh, this morning, let's pray. Well, God, we want to hear from you today more than anything else of what I say or what we've sung. God, we want to hear from you. And so I pray, God, that you would speak to all of us and especially uh, to the men who are here this morning. There are some amazing guys in this place. And I pray, God, that for those guys that need encouragement today, that you would encourage them. I pray for those guys that need to be convicted about something in their life, that you would do that. I pray for those guys who need challenge uh, to step up in some area, that you would do that. And that they would commit to fighting the battles that matter most. So, Holy Spirit, we want to tap into your power today that lives in this place could be changed so that your name, Jesus, could be made great. And we pray this in your name. Amen. I am a fighter. In fact, I think most men are fighters. The only problem is we often fight for things that just don't matter that much. My first fight, I can ever remember, took place in first grade when my best friend Kyle and I were in a restroom together. And the night before, I had watched a boxing match and I thought it would be a good idea to try it out on Kyle. So I walked up to him and I slugged him right in the gut. He bends over like this and starts crying. And I'm like, You are an idiot. Like, this is your best friend, and you try to pick a fight? You see, sometimes we just fight for things that don't matter the most. I think about in high school. I had three of my best buddies, Mitch, Matt, and Chris, and we were heading to the mall, because you always hung out at the mall in uh, the 80s, and we're going to the mall, When a car pulls up beside us and Chris, who is the runt of our group, gives a bird to this other car. It's big guys in the car. We pull up to the mall. They follow us all the way right behind us, and they pull up behind us. We see them get out of the car, so we get out of the car. And then little pipsqueak Chris, not this Chris, the other one, Runs into the mall like a little girl away from us. So we get out of the car. We go to the back of the car. And luckily, we had played golf earlier that day. We get out golf clubs. And these guys approach us. We're like, you want some of us? If they would have only known how weak we were, they would have pulverized us. But I'm thinking to myself, again, that's not a fight that really matters. Why would you do that? That a couple of years ago, we took go to the Indianapolis Zoo. There's a dad as we're getting ready to leave by the water fountain, and he's just hitting his kid on the back of the legs. I walk up to the person, I grab him by the shoulders, pull him off him, say a few choice words. I'm 80% sure that I didn't cuss. I'm 100% sure I was thinking about it though. Okay. And I pulled him off, and here in the zoo, like, it's getting, like, in each other's face. And, again, do you really want your pastor to throw a punch at the zoo? Like, what's up with that, you know? Again, folks, a fight that's really not worth fighting. Last year, we go to Puerto Vallarta. There are some college students that are sitting at the booth right beside me and my two girls. I took them out, little daddy-daughter date. All of a sudden, they start talking, they drink a little bit, and F-bombs are flying everywhere so loud that everyone can hear. So being pastor, I go over and I go, Hey guys, you know, uh, could you just kind of quiet down the language a little bit? I don't want my kids uh, to hear that. When, all of a sudden, one of the students turned in his breath and said, well, he doesn't like my blanking language, and he should take his kids somewhere else. Now, this time, I wasn't representing you as pastor, okay? I was just representing myself, but I stand up. I stood up, I looked at him, and I said, if you don't shut your mouth, I'll shut your mouth for you. We can go outside. <laughs> no, don't clap for that. Don't, don't, no, 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 no. That is not good at all. That's horrible. You should never do that. Again, if they only knew who I was, they would have pulverized me. I mean, they're college students, okay? I mean, can you imagine I leave my two girls, hey, if Daddy doesn't come back in a little bit, could you call 911? (laughs) Like, how is that helpful? Again, folks, sometimes we fight battles that just don't matter. And every one of those incidents I just mentioned, some of you right now, though, honestly are thinking he's got some issues like (laughs) our pastor has some anger issues, you know, and I do have issues. But, you know, all of us fight things, right, that sometimes we think, do they really matter that most? But not only physically do I do this, but emotionally and spiritually. Sometimes I just get into battles that really don't matter that much. Can anyone relate to this this morning? You're, you're fighting a battle that really doesn't matter that much, but you just keep fighting it. Oh, I'm the only one here today. Okay. 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 See, a couple guys were like, Hey, yeah, I'll, I'll stand up. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, have you ever picked a battle with someone and it destroyed a relationship? Have you ever picked a battle that alienated a friend? Have you ever picked a battle that actually damaged the family around you? Have you ever picked a battle in which you lost the promotion or you lost the job? Well, today, I want us to talk about a fighter. Someone who fought battles, but they were the wrong ones to fight. And his name is Samson. And his story is in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible. Now, let me give you a little bit of background about Samson. So if you're taking notes or if you'd like to, you can open up your program and uh, they'll come up here on the side screen. If you need a program, just raise your hand and uh, somebody from the resource table will get it for you. But uh, here's the first thing. Um, He was dedicated to God from birth as a Nazarite. And you might be like, Nazarite, what's that mean? We'll talk about it here in just a little bit. But he was dedicated to God at birth. Second thing, he was known for his physical strength. I mean, any UFC fighter you can think of, he would wipe them out. Maybe all of them together, in fact. Next, his occupation was that of a judge. And uh, his story is found in Judges 13 to 16. So this is what I would encourage some of you, if you want to uh, take the challenge, is that at the end of your teaching outline, it says talk it over. And there are four chapters we're going to look at over the next four weeks. And so I'd encourage you to choose one chapter and just read it for that week. So on week one, uh, the chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and we'll have questions for you to connect with that. Now, some of you probably know something about Samson's story. Uh, you've heard something about it. You're like, oh, okay. Maybe there are some of you that you don't know anything about Samson's story whatsoever, and that's okay as well. But men, this is what I want you to know, uh, is this, that Samson was a lot like us. He was a lot like you and me. Samson had so much God-given potential to do something great for God. And yet again and again, he made bad decisions and he self-destructed. God had given him, just like he had given all of the men in this room and myself, much potential to fight the battles that matter most. And yet again and again, he just made poor decision after poor decision. In fact, I think you could summarize Samson's life this way. It'll come up on the side screen. Samson was an incredibly strong man with a dangerously weak will. He was an incredibly strong man with a dangerously weak will. Just like so many of us men, we're incredibly strong. We have tremendous spiritual potential. But at the same time, the problem is we have a dangerously weak will. So let's dive into this story. A little background. Uh, The Israelites, that is God's people, the people that uh, he calls to be his chosen people, have not really been obeying God. They've not been listening to him very well. And so he decides to try to get them to change their mind. He gives them over to an enemy called the Philistines. And the Philistines come in and they rule over Israel. And for years and years this goes on until finally uh, God comes to him and says, Hey, I think you guys have finally learned your lesson. I think you finally have gotten the message. And so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to send this guy named Samson... And he's going to come into your community, the Israelites, and he is going to help you to take out the Philistines. And once again, you'll have your own independence. And from the very beginning of Samson's life, the spirit of the Lord descends upon him and it stirs within him. And he's given the supernatural strength to do amazing things. And an angel of the Lord comes to him and says, I want you and your family to be known as Nazarites or that you would take the Nazarite vow. Now, some of you might be asking right now, why in the world is the Nazarite vow? What is that? Well, this is essentially where a person who is not a priest, a non-priest, a person who is not in the lineage of the priestly family could come in and could take a commitment and a vow and within these vows they could glorify God just like a priest although they weren't from that lineage so a non-priest could say I'm going to honor these vows and as I honor these I'm going to give glory to God and I'm going to honor God with all that I have within me and there were kind of three of these particular vows that he took the first vow was this don't get drunk don't get drunk no Bud Light, no Coors Light, no Coronas, no Margaritas at Porta Vallarta, okay? No alcohol to cross your lip. No getting drunk. Here's the second thing. Don't touch anything that's dead. Anything that's unclean, anything that is dead, don't touch it. Third thing. Don't get your hair cut, but let it grow. Let your hair just grow and grow and grow and grow. Now... I realize, even though we're talking about to the men here today, some of the women are probably wondering, um, what kind of hairstyle did he have? Like, if he let his hair grow and grow and grow, like, what kind of hairstyle did he have? Well, I'm not totally sure, but I think Samson was the first person ever to wear one of these. And what's that called? What kind of haircut is that called? A mullet! A mullet. Mullet In the 80s were awesome, dude. I mean, like if you had any coolness in you all at all, you wore a mullet. Now, some of you haven't left the 80s. So you're, you know, you're still there. But, um, you know, that was the first kind of mullet. Everybody loves a mullet. So Samson has this long hair. And what it simply was was an outward visible symbol that he was giving his one and only life to God. For instance, 21 years ago, when I put this ring on. I made a commitment to my wife, Jennifer, that I said, no matter what, I am staying committed to you until death. And that's what Samson did in these three vows that he made. And God's hand was all over Samson's life. And God's strength was within him. So much so that when God's spirit would come upon him, we're told that there was one particular day that he killed righteously, God asked him to do it righteously, a thousand Philistine men. Another time, he ripped open the mouth of a lion. We'll talk about that. And yet with all of this God-given potential and all of this strength that this guy had, his weak will got him into trouble time and time again. We're going to see over the next few weeks that as Samson... Betray- that with his weak will, he betrayed God for just a handful of honey. We're going to watch as his temper got the best of him one day. And he goes out and unrighteously kills 30 people over a bet that he lost. We're going to watch as he again and again falls victim to pursuing the wrong kind of woman. And his lust for this woman again and again and again got him in trouble. Guys, he's just like us. He had so much potential for greatness and to do amazing things for God. But he squandered all of it in some stupid living. And I don't know what it would look like for you, but we see this kind of living all the time. I know some guys that I love and I care for and they're so aggressive at work. And it's like work, 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 work. And they work so much, and they work hard, and they build up their portfolio, and everything's going great. And promotion after promotion after promotion. But then they get home, and they're passive, and they do absolutely nothing to try to care for their wives, or care for their kids, or to live a life that would honor them. They're committed in one area. They're just not committed in another. I know men everywhere who are committed to their finances or their career or their hobby. But they can't commit to a woman. Like, what's up with that? You can commit to all kinds of stuff, but you can't commit to a woman? I know men that will study and research everything. Like, if it comes to a fishing reel, they'll spend three hours going, Oh, ooh. They'll take four hours doing the same thing. Flat screen, NFL, ticket, I need. And they're looking, trying to figure that out. But they won't spend five minutes a day opening up something that will do so much more for them than that rod and that reel or that big screen TV. Five minutes just to allow God to move within them. Well, Samson's life shows to us Three very specific attitudes that make strong men very weak. The first one is this, lust, okay? Let's all say this word out loud together. It is not sin for you to say lust in church, okay? Um, So on three, we'll say lust. One, two, three, lust, okay? Some of you are a little bit excited about that, though, I could tell. Um, Maybe close to sin, I'm not sure. Uh, But when when a man sees something that he desires, that's what lust is. And something he lusts after when he sees that, he's like, I want it. I need it. I want it. I've got to have it. And that's what lust says. I want it. In fact, men, let's all say that out loud together uh, with your best way. I want it, okay? One, two, three. I want it. You, know, you almost have to have a growl, don't you? Like, I want it. Yeah, I want it. Not too bad. You guys are doing good today. And what happens is a man wants something so bad that sometimes it slips into lust. And he forgets all logic at all because He wants it. It may be he wants the woman, the hit, the quick fix, the sexual thrill. It may be promotion at work. It might be more money. It might be a new boat, a new car, a new big screen TV, a new house, whatever it is. But he wants it. And he'll forget about all of it. Or he'll forget all logic when he thinks about it. He's like a 12-year-old boy that sees a girl for the first time that actually like, gives him the time of day, and they're like, I want it. Me, 12 now. Now I want it. But when he wants it, he forgets logically about everything else, and often it leads to reckless abandon. Samson does this. Judges chapter 14, starting in verse 1, it says this. Samson went down to Timnah, and there he saw a smoking hot young Philistine woman. I added that part, okay? But I promise you, that's what he was thinking. Because Samson was a sucker for smoking hot Philistine women. Verse 2. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. I saw it. I want it. It's good. It's mine. I want it. Now, how many of you think that he stayed home? Anybody? Anybody think he stayed home? Good. No, he didn't stay home. He traveled 4 miles by foot to go to Timna In enemy territory. In other words, this is it, folks. He leaves his friend. He leaves his family. He crosses enemy territory for this one woman that was forbidden to him because God said you will not intermarry with people who do not worship the one true God. And all the Philistines had multiple gods. But because he says, I want it, I want her. He's kind of like, I don't care what God says. I don't care what my mom says. I don't care what my dad says. I don't care what is wise, I don't care what is right, I want it, and I'm going for it. And over and over again, what we find is we see that lust makes strong men weak. Second thing, a spirit of entitlement. Let's say that word entitlement together, one, two, three, entitlement. Entitlement. Not only do men want it, but entitlement says, I deserve it. Not only do I want it, but I actually deserve it. That's what that word means. I work hard. I deserve it. I've been slaving away. I deserve it. I have to put up with her. I deserve it. I'm not saying I said that. I'm saying Samson said that, okay? Don't go home saying I said something. I did. And we're going to see that Samson gets tempted by this attitude. He gets this attitude. So his story continues on. One day he's walking down a road. He sees a lion. He looks at the lion, grabs the lion by the mouth, opens up its jaw, kills it right there on the spot. Now I know some of you men right now are going, okay, the Bible kind of, you know. Some of these things, kind of fables, not really true. Um, Don't think that one happened, but we know David did too. And some of you are just like, eh, I don't think it's such a big deal. Okay, Samson did it, David did it. But this is the thing, you have never been in front of a wild lion before. I have. Now, it wasn't necessarily a lion, but it was from the lion family, okay, So it's like from the lion family. And uh, I think we actually have a picture of this ferocious lion right there. Anybody know what that is? No, no, no. It's a lion possum. See, I knew you would do that. No, no, it's not a possum. It's a lion possum. Several years ago, BK, before kids, um, my... Wife, uh Jennifer actually got a box together and put all of our Halloween stuff in it but she put Halloween candy in that as well and one day she goes to the garage and she gets ready to open up the Halloween stuff and here is what she found in this box just like eating away you know trick or treat kind of thing you know. And so she calls me on the phone in panic, and she's like, there's this, you know, lion possum that, you know, is in there, and you need to come. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's going down with me and the lion possum. He's on my turf. He's going to get out of here, you know. And I drive home as fast as I can. I walk in. We can't find the lion possum. I think it was because he knew I was coming (laughs) and, uh, you know, decided to take off. Well... Uh, several days go by, we don't see anything, but then all of a sudden we start seeing some droppings of the lion possum all around. And, uh, you know, we're like, well, he's here, we've got to capture him somehow. <laughs> and I'll never remember, uh, uh, I'll never forget a guy, he, he's actually a doctor now. He's like, dude, what you need to do is get a double barrel shotgun just shoot. <laughs> I said, well, like, shoot what? Anything that moves. <laughs> He's working on people right now. He's a doctor. And I was like, I don't, I don't think I'm going to do that. But we would go ahead and we, we, we talked to a neighbor and he gets us a cage. And he says, well, you got to put this kind of food in there. And you put it in there and you'll catch, you'll catch it. No problem. So we do all of that. And the uh, next morning we get up, we walk out. All the food is gone and there's nothing in there. So we call animal control. They come in. They set traps. They do all kinds of stuff. Nothing. So we finally think, well, we've left our garage door open like for a month. So maybe it just finally left. Then one night, Jennifer hears a banging in the garage. She goes out to the garage. Chris, come away! I'm thinking someone's come in there with a gun. And I'm like, man, that guy with the double barrel shotgun, that might not have been such a bad idea, you know. So here I am in my boxers. And uh, my winter boots, and I'm walking out there like this, you know, like I'm going to take on the world. She's like, look. And the lion possum had gotten up on the rail and was walking back and forth. And every once in a while, just turn around and go. So I'm thinking, okay, I got a good idea. I'm a man. I can handle this. I'm just going to put the garage door up garage door comes up. He starts to run, but he can't quite get enough. And all of a sudden, his tail gets on one of the rollers, and it gets stuck around. And it goes all the way back. And now the lion possum is swinging back and forth like this. But he is not happy. And he's like... So I'm thinking to myself at that point, boxers on. I got my winter boots on. I'm like, I'm getting a broom, honey. On the count of three, after I do that, you go ahead... And you shut the garage door, and then we're going to get rid of this lion possum. So I get over there, I get my broom ready, and I swing. <laughs> Guess what happened? I missed the entire possum. <laughs> Didn't even touch it. At that point, my wife's, you know, confidence in me has gone down quite a bit. So I'm like, honey, no, 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 I got this. Like on three, one, two, three, and then I'm going to wail on that thing. It's going to go out. We're going to be good. So all of a sudden, I'm like, one, Two Jennifer darts right beside me, out of the garage, out away from everything. I'm like, you're leaving me alone? I'm like, forget that. Three. Wham! I hit the lion possum. He flies that way. He comes back toward me. He's hissing more now. The tail is not down. I'm like, it must take two. Here he goes. Bam! Finally, I get him off. He lands, but he doesn't go out the door. He starts coming back towards me. <laughs> I take that broom, I like shove him out, he goes out, I run like a little scared girl, and I'm pushing the garage door, and it finally comes down, and we had battled the lion possum. Now, no, no, don't clap for that either. That's not a... Now, this is why I had to tell you this story. Because Samson came across a lion, but he didn't run. But he should have. The Spirit of God came upon him to rip open that line. You look at that and you're like, ah, yeah. He's cocky. He's the man. Then verse 8 says this. Sometime later, when he went back to marry her, the Philistine hottie, and what did he do? What's it say? He turned what? That's when we get into trouble, man. When we're going to where we're supposed to be going, and then we turn aside. So Samson looks at the lion's carcass. In it was a swarm of bees, and some honey. And he scooped out with his hands and he ate as he went along. Now, two quick things. First of all, women, I'm, I know what you're thinking right now. That's nasty. Most men are thinking that, right? Too. That's nasty. But men don't think that. You know why? Because we're nasty, aren't we? Um, men will do some things sometimes, like you know, turning their underwear around, you know, kind of sniff test, and whoa, I'll wear the other. I mean, and men, if you if you're sitting, you know, you've done it, okay? Oh, some of you, oh. Now, if you don't come back next week because of that, you know, I mean, my wife wasn't here today, so that's that's. It. But men are nasty. Here's the second thing. What was he not supposed to touch? A dead, anything, right? Anything that was dead. What did he do? He touched it. The same God who gave him the power to rip open the mouth of the lion, he betrays and he betrays his vow to God who went on to bless him for what? A scoopful of honey. Who would be stupid enough to betray the God of the universe who gave him full strength for a handful of honey? The answer is men do it every single day. We betray the God who blessed us for stupid, sinful things that only hurt ourselves and hurt the people around us. So lust says, I want it. Entitlement says, I deserve it. And then it finally comes to the temptation, this third attitude. And it's this, that pride, pride says this, I can handle it. Why do we think, men, when we're doing stuff? I can handle it. I got this. I can handle it. What were the three vows that Samson made again? It was, don't cut your hair, don't touch dead things. And what was the last thing? Don't get drunk. So what does he do? He says, well, me, Mr. Strong, I can handle it. Verse 10. Now, his father went down to see the woman. Why do you think his father did that? They're planning the wedding. And Samson made a, what's the next word? A feast there, as was customary for bridegrooms. The Hebrew word here, translated as feast, is the word mishta. And mishta means a feast or a party. But quite literally, it means an occasion or a celebration of drinking. A lot of drinking. Let me tell you what this guy did. He threw a kegger. He's like, we're going to have a bachelor party like no other bachelor party. So we're going to throw a kegger. And all of a sudden, they get the keg in. And, you know, everybody takes one drink. He's like, I can handle it. I can handle it. And then the second drink, I can handle it. I can handle it in the third and fourth and fifth. I can handle it. I can handle it. And what happens to strong men over and over again is that God has great given potential that he wants to give to you. And yet we think to ourselves when he gets too close, I'm strong enough, God. I don't need you. I want it. I deserve it. I can handle it. I'm strong enough. And I don't know what it would be like for you But we all know men who, like, have this great potential to do amazing things for God and the world. Who think, I want a drink. I want that pill. And they're like, I deserve it. I can can handle it. And before long, substance abuse handles them. Or maybe you know somebody who just wants things. I want that new big screen TV. I want that car. I want that house. I deserve it. I can handle it. And then a couple years later, you see their name filed for bankruptcy because they're in a sea of debt and they can't pull themselves out. I want to have her stay. I want to have a little sleepover. I deserve a little sexual pleasure. I want it. And then the next thing you know is that lust leads that man down a road of destruction. It's this downward spiral. And it all begins with, I'm strong enough. I want it. I deserve it. I can handle it. And if you fast forward Samson's life all the way to the end, and we'll talk about this in week four, We're going to see perhaps the strongest man who ever has walked planet Earth, who from birth had God's hand upon him, come to the end of his life. And he's led into a coliseum where they gouge out his eyes and they put up his arms and all of his enemies, three thousand Philistine enemies are laughing at him and making fun of him. He is the laughing stock of all. Because that is what lust and entitlement and pride can do when you go down that road. And it takes a man who God wanted to use in such amazing ways. It took him down. Now, some of you guys right now are sitting there going, well, a bunch, serious, like a lust, entitlement, pride. If I do one of those things, you're telling me someone's going to gouge my eyes out? I don't think so. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that your eyes are going to get gouged out. I'm saying it's going to be something worse than that. What could be worse than that? I see it all the time. Guys in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. They're all alone. They've blown up their family. And all of a sudden, they start thinking with terrible regret, it wasn't her fault. (laughs) It was me. And they're walking down this road of regret. I'm going to tell you, there may be a day when your children don't want to spend time with you at Christmas. They have no respect for you. They don't want to be in your presence And you'll have to live with that because of the decisions that you make. There may become a time when your life, your private life, isn't private anymore. It actually goes very, very public. And you don't want it to go out public anymore. And so you're so humiliated by what you did that you just stay inside your house because this is where sin leads, folks. But, but. Men, this is not the way it has to go down. This is not the way it has to be. If you're a follower of Christ, I want you to know that you have all the spiritual greatness within you. That there's God's power within you. No matter what you have been going through, no matter what you've been into, you can be transformed, you can be made new, you can be made different. You can be a man of courage. You can be a man of spiritual strength. You can be a man who defends the defenseless. You can be a godly husband. You can be a godly dad. No matter what has happened in your past, no matter what it is, you can be that if you'll stop trying to be strong in your own strength. And instead, you turn to your heavenly Father and you go, you know what, God? The truth is, I'm weak. I'm vulnerable. I need your strength, God. I need your presence. And Scripture says this, that God will stand with you. Why? Because God is always for you. So there are attitudes that make strong men weak. I want it. I deserve it. I can handle it. But there are also three attitudes that can make uh, weak men strong. Instead of saying, I want it, whatever it is, instead you guys say, I want God. In fact, let's all say that together on three I want God. One, two, three. I want God. I need God. I need God's strength. I want His daily power. Working inside of me. I want God. I want God convicting me where I sin. I want Him leading my life. I want Him guiding my path. I want God. But Chris, I deserve it. I deserve these things. No, 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 no. An attitude that makes weak men strong is this. I deserve death. Why do men deserve? Men... Deserve death. Now, ladies, for much of this celebration, you've been sitting there going, oh, thank God. Give it to the men. Just give it to the men. They deserve it. He's a, he's a fool. He Yeah, just tell him the way it is. Well, ladies, you know what you deserve, too? Death. You deserve death. Why do I know that? Because if you look at God's word. Romans 6.23 says this, The wages of sin is what? Your sin. My sin. The sin of every human being against the backdrop of a holy God deserves death. We don't deserve anything. We're not entitled to anything. God, you owe me something. God doesn't owe you anything. You see, when we realize that we're dead to our sins and we finally get to that point, this is what I deserve, but God in his goodness, he came down from, planet, or from heaven to planet earth and he plucked out human beings and he said, because I love you so much, I don't care how far you fall, you'll never fall far enough from my love. And he reaches down and he pulls us up. And because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, even though you and I deserve death, that's what we deserve. Because of what God's goodness was, we get life. We get a free pass. It wasn't free, folks. Jesus Christ took it all on himself, but it was free for us. And when every other strong man says this, I can handle it. I can handle it. What are you going to say, weak men? You're going to say this. I can't handle anything without God. I can't handle anything without God. I don't know about you guys, but I am capable... Chris Bunch is capable of doing the most ungodly things you can imagine when I'm in my own strength. Without the presence of God, I need God. I, I deserve death. I realize that, but I look to God and I'm like, I need you, God. I can't do anything in my own power. Now, 18 years of me being a pastor uh, has allowed me to to be there for people when they're really going through some of their hardest struggles in their life. And I've counseled many, many different women through relational struggles. Sometimes it's their marriage. Sometimes it's a boyfriend. Sometimes it's their dad. And many times when we get to the end of the counseling session and I'm getting ready to pray, they'll just kind of stop me in the midst of that and they'll go, "Uh, Pastor Chris, um, I just wish my husband, I just wish my boyfriend, I just wish my dad was as strong and as godly as you are. And at that time, I always interrupt him. I go, whoa, 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 whoa. Thanks for the kind words. It's flattering. But this is what I want you to know before you leave my office today is this, that you are looking at the weakest man you will ever see in your life standing right here. And all of a sudden their eyes like go back in their head and they're like, why in the world did I come to counseling today? I thought this guy was going to be strong for me. He just told me he's the weakest man. What's up with that? And then I always tell them this. The only way, folks, I have any strength in my life whatsoever is when I get on my knees early in the morning and I go, God, I need you. God, I can't do anything on my own. I need you today. If anything right happens today, God, it will be because of you. I need you. Folks, left on my own, I am weak. I am vulnerable. I am capable of doing some of the most ungodly things imaginable without the presence of God in my life. Guys, I know it's cool to be tough. You want to be strong. You want to be like big and bad. And I've like got it all together. But the men who really change this world, the men who turn the world upside down, are the men who actually honestly say, I'm weak. Some of you men today are locked into a prison And today, you need to be weak enough to ask for help. You need to be weak enough to sit there and to confess your sin. You need to be weak enough to stand before somebody else and say, actually, I need your help. I need your prayers. I need you to... Kick me in the rear end. I need you to hold me accountable. Guys, that's the whole reason why we're doing this on Wednesday. So that we have men who know how to fight for the things that matter most. And I want to encourage you to do that. But here's the deal, folks. Here's the deal. Satan, our enemy, loves to make strong men weak. But God, your heavenly Father, loves to make weak men strong. He loves to take any man who will say, I'm weak enough to turn to you, and he'll say, well, I'll make you strong. Men, I want you to know, guys, I want you to know that you have spiritual greatness in you today. That God wants to stir in you. God wants to strengthen you. It doesn't matter what has happened in the past. The past is in the past. From this moment forward, you can be a man of courage. You can be a man of spiritual strength. You can be a godly father. You can be a godly husband. You can be a godly boyfriend. You can be a person who honors God in all things. Because this is the truth, guys. Everyone, God is for you. And God loves to take weak men and make them strong. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer right now. I'd like for you to kind of uh, just quiet yourself, center yourself. And God, would you make some weak men who are here today? By your spirit and by your power. That you would move in their life so that they would know how to serve and honor you in great ways. Help each person here today, God. Stir in the hearts of every single man, every single woman, every single student who's here today, God. Would you stir within them. would you go to their most desperate need where they they feel they're the most weak at God and would you give them your strength I have no doubt that in a crowd this size that some of you are facing a temptation right now and you cannot overcome it you've got a problem that you're dealing with right now, and it is way too big for you to handle. And you need God. But you've been tempted to think to yourself, I'm strong enough. I deserve this. I want this. I can handle this. But today you realize, I want God. I deserve death. I can't do anything without Him. So right now, in just an attitude of humility, all of us, don't feel forced to, but if you feel led by the Spirit, that you just repeat this prayer after me. So I'm going to say the phrase and then just repeat it after me. I need you, God. I deserve death. I can't handle anything without you. I need your strength. I need your presence. I need your power. I am weak. I am a sinner. Jesus, take my life. I give it to you. I need you. I give my life to you today. Well, today, as you go through the rest of your week, you're going to need a power that's greater than your own power. And so I'd like you to stand and we're going to sing about a power that is greater than your own that will help you through this week. And if you said that prayer for the very first time, I'd invite you to come up and tell me. I'd love to know it or pray with one of the folks. And at the end of the celebration, there'll be a couple of people up here that would love to pray with you. Uh, and to encourage you in that. So let's lift up now, uh, God, and let us ask Him for a power that is in the name of Jesus Himself. Let's sing.